Hello, and welcome to the Multiplier's Leadership Podcast. A multiplier is someone being transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of neighbors and nations. In this podcast, we are connecting uncommon leaders like you to relationships and resources that will help you multiply the Great Commandment and the Great Commission in your everyday life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multipliers Leadership Podcast. Welcome back. We are so glad that you're with us today. I'm joined by our co-host today, Josh Foliart, the founder of Multiply Global. And uh, we get a chance to be able to hear from a, a, a great guest for us today. His name is John Ballantyne. And he is a he is one that's got an entrepreneur's spirit. He has been a business owner. He's a visionary leader. Uh, when it comes to thinking from an innovative perspective or sustainability, like he's your guy that you want to to seek after and to learn from. And he is not to be outdone by his amazing wife, Hope, uh, right. who happens to lead the university of, or the all the nursing department at the University of Arkansas. And um, she is one that is definitely going to carry her own in the leadership circle as well. But um, John, welcome to the podcast. Yes, yeah, she's thanks. Thanks so much, Joseph. It's glad to be here. And and uh, it's fun to see uh, you and Josh uh, doing so many great things. And yeah, not to be undone by the Dr. Ballantyne. Uh, Dr. Ballantyne. Quite the leader, award-winning professor, right? That's Amazing. right, yeah. Yeah, so... Good. I told, I told yeah, before we jumped on this podcast, I said, you're just carrying her bags. That's what yeah. this is really about. <laughs> hey, as, as men, it's an honor to carry the bags of our wives. I'll tell you that. That's for sure. John, I didn't, I didn't make you aware of this one because I think this is a bonus question. Okay. But before we get started, I've got to know, we are literally in um, what some could call God's country. It's a, up to your own definition here in Arkansas. And it is a beautiful area. It's, I mean, it's incredible. Um, and you're a professor at the University of Arkansas. We'll cover that in a second. Um, but I've got to know, in the midst of God's country like this, um, how are you a, a passionate South Carolina fan and a Clemson fan? fan? Can you give some explanation there? <laughs> well, you, you can be from the state of South Carolina and love the state, but it's easy to discredit, um, discount. I'm trying to like, think of a nice word here, Joseph, to not care for... <laughs> The stinky chicken, right? Tread, tread, tread carefully. Yeah. Tread carefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not my favorite, right? Um, and it comes, it comes with the orange blood, right? Comes with the orange blood. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I think multiply is about the only orange that we allow here in this house, especially if it's burnt right. orange. But hey, that's all right. Hey, we've got a lot of love for Clemson. They're they're an incredible school, incredible, um, incredible place. All, all joking aside, and South Carolina's all right too. So, John, t- uh, tell us. Tell our viewers, just just educate us just a little bit, because I recently did a college visit to Clemson with my son. But tell us something about the University of Clemson that we otherwise would not know if we did not tune into this podcast today. Yeah, this isn't, I mean, this is a really obscure st- statistic, but there's only one other school in the country that has more manicured, cared for acres of campus than Clemson University's second largest uh, wow. landscaped really? campus in the country. That is very obscure, but very cool. Who are they outdone by? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't remember. I learned that statistic from a person in uh, Fayetteville who actually used to work on the grounds crew at Clemson. I think I know the answer to the question of who they're outdone by, and I think it's in Rome, Georgia. I think it's Barry College. Barry College is one of the largest campuses um, in the U.S., uh, but I'm just kind of throwing out a guess there. Well, Josh, how about you? How about you get us started? Let's let's jump in and let's let's give John the toughest questions we've got, oh, yeah. um, and see if he can answer some of these that we've got to put let's in front of him. Well, one of the things that 
so fascinating about John Ballantyne is he is a an incredibly competent businessman, but he's also a man who, what we call a multiplier of the kingdom. He's a man who understands the kingdom, understands the marketplace, understands um, how those things merge together. Uh, and we've had just some really fascinating conversations over the past several months. And, you know, I know, John, you just recently went to a Future of Work conference. And I'd love to just dig there just for a minute on maybe some insights that you walked away from just um, or, or heard at this, this conference. And I just think the title is really intriguing, just the future of work and how is it shifting mm-hmm. from what it is right now? And then if you can, I would love for you to tie in, what does that mean for the kingdom? What does that look like? It's a fascinating thing to ponder really. And, and uh, uh, Dr. Anna, uh, uh, I'm going to mess up her name, so I apologize. We fact check this one too, but uh, Dr. Anna from uh, from New York and came to talk, and she's written a book, written the book on this, and she Tavis Anna Tavis Tavis. Tavis. Yeah, thank you. I, I just wanted to make sure I got it right. Um, and she did a great job of like not really telling us like what her view of the how this is going to change, but getting us to think about what's really changing and and how the people are changing that and i think one of the couple things um that she talked about was the why of work and the worth of work and uh she believes that the worth of work is going to become more um uh, highlighted or more valued um and we should value it more and i think that's really interesting and i think if, if you look at if you look at that through the biblical lens you know there's something that God really valued. I mean, he felt like work was very worthwhile. He designed us to do it, designed us to do it before yeah. the fall. So if you kind of put it put it under those lenses, then then there there's extreme value in work. And some of our greatest leaders in the Bible worked really hard. Uh, Paul and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you think about David, how hard he worked as being a leader, but also uh, you know getting ready to be a leader and you know, working in the in the fields as a shepherd. And um, those are harrowing times for a, a shepherd. They're fighting lions and bears and tigers and, and, you know, bandits and everything else. And that's not, uh, it's not all that different than being an entrepreneur. I mean, I got a chance to speak just this morning to a class. that's kind of a new venture development class for uh, sports management people. And, and, um, you know, I shared with them, I said, look, if you're thinking about starting up a company, just imagine that you're going to tie yourself to a truck driving down a gravel road and you're going to get road rash on all sides. So we've <laughs> got to be, we got to be resilient. Yeah. Sounds uh, inspiring, John. <laughs> well, you know, and it's not to scare people away, but work's yeah. tough. And anyway, so I think um, all those things are really fascinating. And, and back to the original question of what, what do we see is changing and what do we talk about at the conference? The change about work. I think the worth. Um, it's going to become. Uh, Doctor Tavis believes that it's going to become more relational as we uh, look more towards um, uh, or see less and less uh, engagement and interaction and more machine engagement. Then the relationships at work are going to become more and more and more important. And that was one of the things mm-hmm. that she really brought out. And I think you start to see that. I mean, 
some of that's a little bit of a, a backlash from our times of being in the pandemic, but um, I see mm-hmm. that really happening, and I see I see uh, the future generations really craving that interaction yeah. and that relationship. And the more I think we relate to people and relate to their challenges, I think we'll see that. Um, you know, an interesting another interesting phenomenon that that was asked a lot of questions at the conference was how do you see uh, companies um, addressing diversity issues and things like that? And that's really interesting to me um, that companies are more willing to take on uh, commentary in those areas than they have been in the past uh, Mm -hmm. and feel obligated to have a stance on something that previously in business we separated, not necessarily separated, but didn't, really feel a need to comment on or make a stance from a business perspective. So I find that interesting. I don't know that I would um, venture uh, an opinion um, on it uh, directly, but it's certainly an interesting observation to, to see companies trying to do that and struggling in some ways and then how that, how that uh, engages or disengages their workforce. What I hear you saying real quick, John, let me interrupt is that, that, that work and, kind of like outside of work life seems to be merging in a way that has, I mean, people are finding more senses of belonging at their place of work. Um, They're finding, you know, the desire for deeper relationships there. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and uh, there's, you know, work is um, being dignified in a way that it never has before as a, as a high value, place to invest your time. And and to me, it's like the workplace is merging. We're not, you know, we're not just um, taking our, our workplace and working from home now. Now we're living from the workplace. Does that make sense? And that's exactly what predictions are are making. And, and, um, uh, that was also talked about how, you know, the space of work is going to become more important as we, we try to, um, bring people back into the workplace having a space that's comfortable and inviting is going to be one of the more important things that we see and then having it accessible to where you are in life. But the other thing that came home really is flexibility. We've got to be flexible with the workforce and the more flexibility we have with how we work and how we accomplish things, the more successful, the premise is more successful companies will be. And I think the more successful business society at the end of the day, I mean, I think there's, I know the unspoken thing here is, you can make all the have all the flexibility in the world, but if the job doesn't get done, and this is from you know an entrepreneurial perspective or a business leader perspective or a manager's perspective. We still have to get the job done. If we don't get the job done, then we don't. There's no reason to work. So that's a, that's another you know interesting thing to really ponder and say how how is that going to change? You know how how do we get the job done? Is it going to change? But being flexible is important. Yeah, I think there's a a really good conversation and um you know what i what i hear like even as i listen to 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 the two of you even is just how much before it was a little bit easier to compartmentalize just life in general right yeah, sure. and um you know i know for myself at and there's and men can have a tendency to do this not all but i, I can have a tendency to kind of compartmentalize certain sections of my life and um you know i think there's 
a much more a much stronger case for a biblical perspective of everything being integrated into everything that you do um and and that's from both the spiritual sense or the job no matter what that is it all should kind of intertwine in some ways with good boundaries um and so I think it's a it can have some some good potential a good shift in the future but but my my question is um so when it comes to because obviously you're a follower of Jesus and that's someone or that's really important to you so how do you how do you bring that kingdom into the marketplace um, now that you feel like some of those lines are blurring a little bit more of home and life and and work all at the same time? Well, that's a good question. It's near and dear to my heart. I, I um, you know, was very good at segregating my work and home life and secular work life and, you know, uh, walk with Jesus um, for a long time. But the Lord took me through a, a really uh, transformative time in my, in my life when I was, um, considering making a job change and and the lord spoke to me and said hey i want you on on your knees as part of my testimony only on your knees praying to me every day and so i did that and obeyed and he took me through this uh, process of of um hey i want i know you're not happy with your what you're doing at work but you know i created you to work and all these things i mean i wasn't not, i've always been a worker like since a little a little boy, I, I've only known. I can what, see it in you, John. And <laughs> you're you're a worker in the best sort of way. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so that's just who I am. But we said uh, the process. So I want you to bloom where planted. Okay, uh, I want you to start um, showing your coworkers and your clients that you care for them and you love them, and you, and it's very specific, like love, the word love. And I want you to look for opportunities to talk about me at work with your coworkers and with your clients. And that was transformative for me because I didn't think you could do that like that. And, and he, he was like, the Lord was encour- encouraging to me. And he said to me, I mean, this was not audible. The Lord, I didn't hear an audible voice. Some people do. That's great. Uh, um, but it was a very clear impression uh, of the Lord speaking to me saying, um, I'm going to give you opportunities and I want you to take them. Look for opportunities that I present to you to talk about me at work and with your clients. And he did just that. I mean, we had with our our church family, we had all kinds of great secular ish stories that were had had the gospel woven in them, had Jesus uh, stories woven into these, and you could easily uh, he provided easy ways to tell a story, and then you know weave Jesus into the story at whatever levels were appropriate for the audience at the time, uh, and then you get feedback. Okay, well let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little deeper, and so that was. Um, that kind of, to me was a tipping point. Uh, if you read Malcolm Gladwell's a tipping point for me to get into this realm of, there's no reason to separate work and, and, you know, the gospel or work and Christianity mm-hmm. or what have you. And, uh, it can be part and parcel of how you do business. The interesting thing is when you, you know, I teach a class in sales, right? And when you survey uh, clients or people that um, that buy, that, that have salespeople call them, what are the, the top three things that they look for in a sales professional or a business relationship? Honesty, integrity, yep. credibility. Okay? Those are Judeo-Christian values, right? And, and, yep. and these are believers, non-believers are all saying the exact same thing. Like what we look for in business relationships is these things. And if you can't deliver that, then our interest in doing business with you is, is not there. So mm-hmm. it's easy 
if you believe those things and you live those things, and some of us do and some of us don't, and some of us separate our work and home life and work in Christianity, I don't. I don't. I think we shouldn't. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, when we say, how do you integrate your um, faith at work? It should be, how do we live? I mean, it's like, it's part of what I do. You know, it's part of who I am. It's part of how I work. It's treating people right. I remember when I I got the revelation that Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Nehemiah, Daniel, none of these are what we would, you know, label professional Christians. These are all marketplace believers who influence their society through what they did every day. Mm -hmm. And I love that. That set me free. And I love, you know, the majority of us will never be in a vocational ministry setting. Um, And so empowering that 97, 98% of the church, you know, to carry the kingdom into their everyday lives. The influence of that group is way more significant than than most that would be in kind of that, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I work for a church or whatever that is, which is, which is incredible and a calling by God, but the influence in the marketplace is significant and untapped in many ways. And, and I think people, you know, what, what's happened is I found myself surrounded by many believers that work in the workplace. And, um, as, as we work together, we look for ways to share God stories or, Hey, you know, this guy, I feel like he's, you know, I want to pour into this person because they, I feel like they'd be great for the kingdom or they're not a believer or, or whatever. But I think what you, what I found is that I'm just surrounded by people that love doing business the way God wants us to do business. And we talk about kingdom businesses and all these different things, but if you operate your business to care for people and, and, and focus on, Hey, I want to create opportunities for people to earn a living, to provide for their families. One of the greatest days of my career was being able to walk one of my employees uh, up to the front office window and look out and say, his name was Sam. I said, Sam, uh, when you started here, how many cars were in the parking lot? He's like four. I said, well, how many are out there now? And he's counting, you know, and he's 14. I said, well, you were part of us building this company to the point where we could feed 14 families. You should be really proud of what you've accomplished. I mean, what a I mean, what a cool opportunity because that's, that's what it's about. I mean, sure, we all have to make money and return investment for, for return on investment for our investors, but, but what is, what's God's economy? What's God's P&L statement? And is it feeding families? Is it, is it sharing the gospel? I mean, I, I don't know. I just I wrestle with this idea of, of um, um, what's the currency for the kingdom. I was just going to say, speak to that idea. I want to double click on that and just talk about yeah. multiple bottom lines. We've, we've had this conversation, um, which you kind of just, you just flippantly kind of threw these things in there, but you talk about profit and you're not going to be in business long if you're not making a profit, right? I mean, it's, you got to make money. Um, but talk, talk about the multiple bottom line concept and kind of how you're beginning to see that uh, or have seen that. Certainly not an idea I came up with, but I, I'd like to, you know, dive into this thing a little bit more to see what it really means. But, um, and, and maybe this is something that's revealed to us later, um, in our eternal lives. But, um, 
what are we what are we creating? Like, what are we we're, we're creating a business to create a business? We're creating a business to solve a problem, right? Uh, we, we're able to fix fix something. Um, so, in that scenario, what does what does this multiple bottom line look like? Is it are we have we have developed some social capital? Have we um, have we you know evangelized people? Have we created um, an economy of love? I mean, if we think about what God pervades, He pervades love and forgiveness. Are we doing that in our business? Can we? Are we measuring that in our business? Are we measuring how many times when when you talk to a client that they tell you that they love you and then mean it authentically? The lawyers mm-hmm. will tell you you can't tell a client that you love them. But I've got some great stories that clients will not talk to me without telling me that they care about me in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And many times wow. they use the L word, right? I mean, what? <laughs> Is that, is that how we measure this? You know, yeah. it's, it's unconventional, right? Is it okay as a business person to go in saying, I'm going to build this business with the focus of multiple bottom lines? You know, is that, is that something that, hey, let's kick the walls out and go after that? Yeah, I, I think it is. And I think when we, when, we started, uh, when we started Tango Press, my partner and I, we talked about that. We, we feel like we want this to be a kingdom business, whatever that means. But, it, but we, you know, we developed, we talked about this concept and what does it mean? And hopefully we lived it out. Hopefully people, um, you know, saw that we cared about you. And, and, you know, you know this from sports and from everything else, but people don't know how much you, I mean, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. So are we, are we purveying that? Are we sharing that with people? I think that's, just a a great way to be able to just encapsulate what you either do with work or business, whether you run the business, own the business, or just a, a, a piece within the business um, of being able to really have a kingdom perspective out of the gate. And not it's not just for a, a, a business that happens to plant churches across the globe. No, it's everyday um, work that you're a part of. And you said something a moment ago, and you've said several things that, and I hope you guys can hear even the tone of John, that he really cares about people a lot. And you can just hear that in everything he's saying. Um, but you said, bloom where you're planted, love the people that are there. And then you said, ask the Lord and look for opportunities to talk about you and talk about the gospel. And, um, and I, I just love that perspective that you've had with everything on the the business side that the Lord has taught you. And, um, I, I think I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And so, uh, so you want to stay here for a second, Josh? I told us uh, this is an interesting, just a little quit. I don't take too much time on it. But You're I told fine. a story to the sales class the other day about a client of mine that um, one day he called me up and he says, hey, you know, I'm going to I've, I've started doing something that you do with me, with my clients. And he said, every time I talk to you, you tell me that you appreciate me. And that's true. And I did that. And that's a nice that's a that's a uh, easy way to say I care about you. I love you. Okay. Right. I appreciate mm-hmm. you. It's, and it's an easy way to start that conversation. Right? So we had a little issue w- with this fella and he's from the Northeast. And I won't, I'm not going to, um, uh, you know, put anybody into any buckets, but he, he was pretty upset and he called and he was on the phone. He was very upset, angry, mad. And I didn't do a good job explaining the situation, how this thing was going to go down to him. So he had a right to be frustrated. And he's cussing, raising cane, just going off. And for 20 minutes, I just felt the Lord tell me, you just need to be quiet, listen. Because normally I don't tolerate that type of behavior. And um, and so finally, 
<laughs> he calmed down and he's like, and I said, well, hey, his name's Eric. Eric. This is his real name. I won't tell you his last name. But he finally calmed down. He said, you know, what's the deal? And I said, well, I'm sorry. We didn't explain this well, but this is really how it's supposed to go down. And this is what we're doing. And we're really helping your client at the end of the day. And he goes, I'm sorry. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm really sorry. I didn't behave well. And I'm sorry. And I know you don't do business that way. And I don't like doing business that way. And I know that's not who you are. So I just want to apologize for behaving that way. And uh, I said, you're welcome. I forgive you. And the next thing he says comes out of his mouth. Now, this is after this guy's like wore me out, cussed me out more than probably anybody ever has in my life. And he goes, John, I just want you to know I love you. Uh, Come on, man. Come on, man. What about that? A grown man from Connecticut. That's kingdom stuff. That that is kingdom stuff. And it's disarming. Yeah. In the best sort of way, it's disarming with the kingdom. I told you John loves people. He didn't believe me. He got more and more of them. Oh, I got stories. I got stories for days. You know, I I, I love your stories. And um, John, obviously, you've you've done business for a long time. Um, you're currently teaching at the University of Arkansas. There's been a lot that's changed both in society, the world at large, and in really every sphere, every influence. Um, and what I come to find is there's always a new generation, always a new group of of people that are coming up, the, the 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 next ones up to the plate, if you will, and you know, being around so many, they're in that kind of Gen Z category. As you're teaching at the University of Arkansas, man, I'd love just an insight from your generation, your perspective. Like, um, man, as you see all these young people day in and day out, like, man, what is what do you see that is um, just some good opportunity, or even maybe another way to say it is. Um, and what do you see within them? Like, how do we meet them where they're at, mm-hmm. equip them, develop yeah. them, help lead them into the next season? Because eventually we're all going to be gone and they're the next ones up to take the to, to take the baton. And so I'd love to know just kind of your perspective. And you're, just from your seat, you get to see a lot more people than we do. Yeah. It's a blessing to get the the trust to um, pour into our our next generation. Like, that's that's not something to be taken lightly. and And... Uh, I do it. Why? Why do I do that? I'll do it because I care. Like I truly care about every individual. I mean, I, I was a guest speaker in class today and, and I, you know, I didn't know any of those students at all, but I care about them. I want to share what my mistakes, what I've learned, what's gone well, what hasn't gone well in my life, in my career. And, and I, I can share that and hopefully um, prevent heartache, headache, um, you know, for, for another generation or a group group of people. So what a blessing and an honor to get to do that. And I had some great um, mentors in my life, professors in my college that were all industry experienced people that poured into us and they truly cared about us. And that's a legacy that they instilled in me and a desire that was instilled in me by those individuals that made me want to give back later in life. So thank you. It's a blessing to do that. So, to the question, though, real question is what what's you know what's different or new or, op- or what's the opportunities that that the the current generation has? I think you know we all their um, their challenges are probably more um, uh, publicized than some of the previous generations' challenges when it comes to you know being post pandemic. So uh, I think what I see in this group of people is just a desire for authentic connection. I think you know. 
society or social media tells us that they're the most connected generation, but they're connected in the what I believe is not as an authentic way as some of our previous generations have. So they, I believe that they crave this authentic connection. I think there's a little bit of an opportunity to understand the application of that because we've been, you know, many in this generation have been isolated for a couple of years. And so the application or the comfort level of, of uh, seeking out that. So for us, like that's our opportunity to reach out for, when I say us and about other generations, it's our opportunity to reach out and say, Hey, you know, I care about you. I'd like to, I'd like to get to know you. I'd like to learn what I can do to help you. And I think there's a, a response to that that I've seen. Um, a little interesting tidbit in, in my class I have that I'm teaching this section this semester is about um, 80 something, 89 students. And, you know, you start to develop a rapport and say, look, I'm here because I care about you. I want you to win in life and career. And that's when this, uh, when the, the reach back begins to happen, when they truly know that you care. So I'll say all that. It's a lot of talk, but, you know, what I see, hopefully, this generation really craves um, uh, clear, concise communication of expectation. I think that's good for all of us. It's fun. They value uh, connection. They value diversity. They value innovation. And they look, and I think they're skilled in that. Very resourceful generation. I think um, uh, it's fun to see that resourcefulness. And, uh, you know, so those are the things that I see. Uh, the opportunity. Uh, uh, many of uh, college students that I interact with have, so many of them have their own businesses or they've been working already and mm-hmm. have some experience from the workplace they can call on. So when you have the opportunity to share with with, uh, with them, there's some relevancy to some of the things that we teach and talk about. So Really, I think that uh, I wish we had more time, John. I, we, there's a lot of other questions I feel like I'd like to be able to ask, but uh, maybe we can save it for another day. He said he's full of stories. He is not. He is not kidding. He's got stories for days, and they are fun. Um, but... You know, as I think about the entirety of this podcast, one thing that I hear over and over and over again is that everybody craves, craves, whether articulated or not, relationship. Mm. No matter who you are, your story, your life, um, it was meant for relationship. And John, you've been a great example of that. I'm sure you've had some ups and downs along the journey. Um, But thank you for blessing um, our listeners, blessing myself. Um, and Josh as well. And um, John, we just want to say thank you for your time. And hey, um, listeners, we'll be uh, back at it here in a couple of weeks and we can't look or we look forward to doing this again with you. Thank you for joining us today. To discover more resources, visit multiplyglobal.com. We are committed to helping leaders like you become connected to the relationships and resources you need to multiply God's purpose in your everyday life.